This episode is brought to you by Vidiate. Vidiate automates the creation of software videos, making it super fast and easy to produce up-to-date content with every new release. From script to screen, with no in-between, you're able to skip all the manual labor of production by simply plugging in a script to the platform and then watching that video come to life in real time. Check it out today at video.io. Welcome to C-Lab, the customer education lab, where we debunk customer education myths, misconceptions, and bad advice that stops growth dead in its tracks. I'm Adam Evermescu, and I am here with special guest, Tiffany Taylor, Director of Customer Success and Education at Handshake. Welcome, Tiffany. You made me sound like a celebrity. I felt like I was coming out of a a curtain on a stage, and I love it, and I'm so grateful to be here, Adam. (laughs) Well, I'm so grateful to have you. And if if, uh, I was introducing you like a celebrity, it's because you are a celebrity in my mind. Actually, I have to tell this story because... Uh, you and I met after having heard of each other multiple times. We were at a conference. Do you remember this? And a lot of people kept on telling you and I that we should meet each other, but we had never met each other. You're like, do you know Adam? Do you know Tiffany? You must have met. How have you not met each other? And it just, this was the circle. We were ships that never met in the night. Yeah, it was very strange, but then we finally did. Uh, I think it was at one of the receptions during the evening and we finally found each other over at a table and we started talking and then it was a uh, very much one of these, why have we never done this before moments? So I'm, I'm so happy that that was the, the opportunity for us to become friends and start talking. And now uh, the culmination of our friendship is talking about success and education together on this podcast. I agree. It's also one of those things where you find out that the world is small, but somehow not small enough, right? Like our circles knew each other, but somehow our Venn diagram was yet to overlap. Yeah, for sure. So (laughs) that's, that's the fun of this world. And uh, it's also why it's, it's so nice that, uh, you know, we through, through both, you know, podcasts like this, as well as conferences and all the areas where customer success and customer education professionals are starting to come together that we're we're starting to uh, narrow that Venn diagram into a circle. Absolutely. Now, before we get started, we have to do our our tradition on the show. Uh, Do you know what day it is today, Tiffany? It's it's Friday, January 6th. What what else does that mean? It is. And that has a certain connotation in the United States, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make it more positive. Uh, Today is national technology day. Ooh, ooh! Now that is special. I wish I had known that. Yeah, it's also National Shortbread Day, but I thought National Technology Day might be better because uh, we work in the tech industry, and so it's a pretty momentous day for all of us who who support people who are trying to use software better. I'm actually a little sad that it didn't feel. I feel like we should know about it, or am I the only one in the dark? Do we need to? I feel like we need to make it a big, a bigger affair next year. I'm gonna. I'm already marinating. If it's if it's National <laughs> Technology Day, there there's some things I love to party and celebrate. So that feels yeah. Like you could you, you could make like a a shortbread yeah, like, like, that looks like a computer. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like shortbread <laughs> cookies with computers on them, like a little CRT monitor. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Tiffany, let's stay on the same page by. Uh, 
doing what Dave likes to call the frame up. Uh, today, we're talking about the overlap between customer success and education. And I'm so glad that you're on the show because you are leading both of these uh, functions at Handshake. And I really want to talk about how they relate and how we talk about buy-in and uh, ROI for those both internally and, and externally. So to do that, it might be helpful before we we jump into the conversation to talk a little bit more about what your uh, what your function is at at the company and specifically who are your customers. So what what does customer success mean to you? Absolutely. Well, thank you for asking. Um, first of all, for folks who don't know, Handshake is essentially a platform that helps employers connect with students who are interested in early talent. So for example, Wells Fargo wants to um, increase their pipeline of fresh graduates in all aspects of their financial realm. They could essentially go to the Handshake platform to do that through who our customers are, more than 1,400 institutions in the United States and now uh, the UK. And so it really just provides a space where we're trying to democratize access for students. My specific team serves our, what we call our EDU partners. These are career services professionals who work for the most part on campus in the career services offices for folks who um, had maybe a traditional uh, four-year experience or community college and and have a a main office that focuses on getting students internships and jobs. And so in my function as the director of customer success, we have not not unusual to any SaaS industry where we have our three segments we call ours growth, scaled, and strategic. And those three managers report to me. And then each of those managers have three to eight CSMs. We call them relationship managers. But again, for, for a SaaS space. Um, so the entirety of that team is about 21, 22 folks um, who all roll up into me from our, our success side. On the other side of my hat is our customer education team. Um, Very happy, as Adam knows, and has spoken with so many of the guests here. That was never really truly a team. It started with me when I I myself was a CSM and fell in love with all things customer education. Long story short, um, grew the team to now having my first full-time headcount um, and actually three team members who split their time in their full-time role to provide assistance to the customer education uh, facet as a part of their DRI. So I really like to think of it as an army of four folks making all things customer education happen for Handshake. And we know that in customer education world, four is plenty, um, especially for a newly formed function. I think for me, in terms of how that relates, is that I have the best of both worlds. Selfishly, I know I think there's a dream where maybe those could be separated. I could not imagine doing either of my jobs well if I was not the director of both those functions. I get direct access to the audience as they learn the tool and the people who I need to market push and promote the tool and learning offerings also report to me. So there's this very, I I hate to say it, it almost makes my job easier, right? Because here I am talking about pipeline and and health and sentiment with my success RMs. Well, a part of the tools in their toolbox are the customer education offerings. And so um, it really gives me the direct pipeline to feedback. I get feedback instantly from both the folks who are delivering it from the audience, because this is not a separate or siloed space. 
because I manage um, both functions. It means there's minimal lapse in between when I can act on and incorporate the feedback as well. That was a whole lot. Got it. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's but it's good. It gives us a, a layout. And I want to dig into some of those things uh, as far as how, how they relate to each other, because I think this will help us map out then how, how education plays a role in this kind of ROI story across customer success. So you, you named your segments earlier within customer success, and that was growth, scale, and strategic. Was that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that is what is that based on? Is that customer size, or is that yes. like the level of touch you provide in the model for them? Like, tell me more about the, the segments. Absolutely. So our scaled is is our um, traditional. That is our very large one to many. These tend to be our smaller schools that really need scale touch. Um, smaller schools, smaller smaller um, number of students that they're serving as well, a one person or a two person office, um, or growth somewhere in the middle where the ratio of, uh, CSM to customer, uh, gets us about one to 80. And then we have our strategic, which tends to be our, um, you know, I think in some, some industries we'll call it long tail, right? Long tail, Mm -hmm. mid and tier one or tier two. And so our strategic tends to be our, our high touch. These are our longest, um, our oldest accounts, our super users, they tend to have, have a much higher touch um, in terms of their service and even just their usability of our tool. Got it. Okay, that that makes sense. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But first, I want to ask, then in terms of your educational offerings, tell me about what what programs are within your, your education space? Like, How are you educating your customers? Um, the biggest leverage, again, not, not unique uh, to us, is implementing. The implementing process goes through our customer education. You, you and I both know we utilize our academy that is housed in SkillJar. And you cannot, as an education partner, purchase Handshake without going through our Handshake Academy. And so that is how we, we, we launch that at scale. So first is going through our, our implementation course. It ends up being about four to eight weeks. And that is our biggest, most used, highly leveraged um, uh, course offering with, with customer education. The second piece is our virtual instructor-led training where we're able to do it took a long time through growing our customer success team that we were able to do scaled programs. You and I know when you're a smaller, just starting customer success, all you're kind of doing is triage. There's no time for forward, um, proactive work. You're really kind yeah, of- Yeah, you're in that ad hoc, work. reactive- Absolutely. Yeah. No one could have told me three years ago that this is where we would be. Now, each of my segments are doing tailored programs. Uh, I think a scale team, they call theirs Empower Hours, um, or Strat team calls theirs Strat Chats. And those are actually now being housed through our academy. So we're getting, obviously, folks having to log into our academy. So that's that's uh, immediate uh, potential for them to then go into the other courses, but we're getting that feedback and data and analytics right in our system, and that is housed by my team. And so by basically <laughs> everything within your team is a a tailored program, right? Yes, yes. That's a that's a joke about your last name, but boom, boom, yeah. No, no, no. But like going going back seriously to that for a moment, like if you think about then. That being so, the implementation process is driven by a combination of 
self-service and then VILT. And then depending on the segment you're in, you might be getting then additional direct uh, guidance from one of your relationship managers. Is that right? Right, right. And then the other things are, as you can imagine, we have, I mean, we still don't even have a course linked to every feature in our program, but what we do have are our high value as is my advice, and I think your advice to anyone, your high value uh, target items. So we know our appointments tool very highly used. So that's actually one of our first badged tools, our virtual career fair tool. That course is very linked mm-hmm. out. And so that's kind of how we've broken down in our first iteration by feature, mass usage, and uh, badge ability um, yeah. for, for our courses. And are those are those badges mandatory to complete the implementation? You you mentioned a moment no. ago that, that like no. you make customers go through this during implementation. No, they're it's still optional. It's still optional. Um, those are okay. separate. You have to go through implementation to launch the handshake tool. These badge courses are more more I, I wouldn't say more for vanity. It's more you want a depth of understanding of that feature, and that's when you'd go to that course. Got it. Okay. So you sort of have like let me let me try to map this out. You've got implementation, which is about driving activation. Like that's the milestone. You, you need to be able to activate Handshake. Yeah. And if you don't go through those courses, if you don't successfully pass, pass them, then you presumably are not done implementing Handshake. Like what happens at that point yeah. if they don't finish the course? Your launch is delayed. We, we will actually not turn off. You, I, I mean, I wish I'm not simplifying the engineering of it, but you will actually not launch your product to your, you, you, you wouldn't be able to use it to your, to your, because to you your have students. to learn about the project you to be able to, to use and Absolutely. launch. Okay. So that's, that's so, that, so you've reached activation. And then at that point, depending on your customer's level of interest or motivation, which, which is also why you're providing badges, uh, then you would uh, have courses that are more focused on driving adoption after yes. that initial point of activation. Exactly. Exactly. So you're, you're deepening knowledge around high value topics. You might be coming back to some things that might have been addressed during implementation, but aren't going to be fully set up at that point because the customer doesn't have enough cognitive load right. to, uh, we or, give you sorry, enough cognitive to start bandwidth. the thing. And then the rest is, do you want to drive the thing? So I think we give Got you it. enough okay. to turn it on and here's how you then maximize its usage. Okay. And so now let's, let's tie those two concepts together because we're going to talk about the success education overlap. How does the way that these courses or, or educational offerings are used change depending on the segment who is using them? Or do they? I, right now in the way we have approached it, they don't. They don't change right now based on segment. What does change and what is tailored by segment are those virtual instructor-led training that I was mentioning, because those are really, it's not a, hey, everyone come to this. We actually only invite those segments to those sessions. And those sessions Mm. are crafted in partnership. My customer education team meets with the strat managers, the growth managers, the scaled managers to talk about, great, this time of year, this month, what what do your book of business need? And so those are where we tailor for the segment and not necessarily in the course offerings yet. That doesn't mean that we won't get to that. Um, I don't know if we'll have time to talk today. We do a, a voice of the customer scorecard. I'm now actually going into what some of the feedback from our customers are about what they need, which is great that they want more depth. We see our super users wanting more, but again, with a team of one, we had to be strategic in what we're doing. And this is our first foray in providing tailored training per segment. Yeah. 
That that makes sense. And so I think that would then take us into you you've described some goals that customer education drives for the business, right? Customer education is ensuring more uh, consistent activation of your product. Uh, there's a tie to deepening adoption. Presumably, there are some other things that customer education has pointed out as well. But what I'm curi- curious about here is when you are thinking about the relationship between customer education and your broader customer success function, what, what's the ROI story for you? Like, how do you think about the investments that you make in customer education relative to uh, the rest of your your business? Hey, Dave, my customer education bookshelf is looking a little lonely. Any recommendations? Hey, here's a thought, Adam. Have you checked out Daniel Quick and Barry Kelly's new customer education playbook? Well, I mean, I'm a bit biased here because I'm actually in it, but uh, I think that's a great addition because it lays out the steps to run a customer education program in a super clear, practical way. And it's full of tips from other great leaders who are doing the job every single day. Hey, that's right. And I'm in it too. But seriously, I'm a SaaS book enthusiast. So I'm going to go out and have Barry and Daniel sign my copy today. (laughs) That's great. And if you want one, head over to thoughtindustries.com slash playbook to get your copy. That link's in the episode description. So get reading today. Yeah. I, I think that ROI stories are much different than others, right? There's a lot of showing and proofing we know that right showing the correlation for multi-year renewals i think is a top one when you had sent these questions to me again because i manage our uh our csms renewals are a big part of my job and their job at least that's how the role is at handshake and so a very very good way for us to have shown especially when i um acquired our one full-time headcount we just started doing multi-year renewals as a part of packages that we offer at Handshake. Us being able to show that the folks who engage in the academy were also the folks signing multi-year renewals was one of the, I mean, I don't want to call it low-hanging fruit. We had a lot of analytics to run, but because of the high priority that our leadership had placed on the the awe of how much multi-year renewals our team was able to acquire, that was such a good connection for the um for our customer education team to make. And so showing that, showing the correlation there um has been critical. Similarly, and you know it's about leading and la- lagging indicators. Similarly, showing the connection with those who churn and their lack of mm-hmm. involvement in customer education related action was an incredible indicator. Actually helped light the fire for my uh, success team to be better at tracking, oh, wow, they haven't been in the academy. Oh, they're about two weeks behind in their implementation with, based on where they should be in the course. This is something I think I've been touting three years ago. But again, when we're smaller, when we don't have, when we're juggling a lot of balls, it wasn't as easy to become so laser focused. And it was just a qualitative story, right? We weren't actually showing um, the, 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 the metrics to align with that and show, look, we just had four churn. Let's look at what their activity in, in, with our customer education and academy has been. And it's either been little to none or delayed and showing that correlation was a huge indicator for us. We were able to tell so, from that, that, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. We were able to show that like within a three week window, if there was a lapse from them complete or starting their implementation course, that that would be an impetus for um, potential churn. And and just even being able to narrow down timeline like that, you know, is very powerful for how you drive CSM action and being able to tell that story, especially to leadership. 
Yeah. So you're you're able to measure along several fronts, which I think is is interesting and instructive probably for a lot of people listening. One is you have managed to do some correlation of education activity with downstream impact. And in fact, some of the most important downstream impact that you would want to see as a customer success team, right? If you're looking at renewals and churn, well, that's that's the heart of uh, customer success right there. So that's amazing. And presumably that helps get buy-in for customer education as a key pillar of customer success. Right. The second I would say is that we consider the seasonality of our learners and ensure that that story is told within the context of the seasons for our company. I'm going to say that again, because I think this is one of those things that I think apply to any of your listeners, regardless of industry. Something that I've learned, having multiple careers in many industries, every industry has their own season, right? Like when your year starts, whose Q4 is when, you can imagine, as I had mentioned earlier, our customers, our education partners, our seasons tend to run on an academic calendar of when it's the busy season. Mm -hmm. And so BTS, we call that back to school is our busiest season. Our customers are putting on fairs, our students are, their students are just coming back. So it's the start of their year. So data has shown us that it's actually the slowest time of the year for customer education. Because our customers are so busy. They've got other stuff going on. on. Exactly. So they can't, they don't have the time. So what was great is that you can imagine at a company where customer education is new and here all the other teams are being busy, When customer education looks slow, it could be read as, oh, this team isn't doing anything. They aren't doing enough. So it was really important for us to tell the story within that context of saying, hey, actually, the reason why customer education metrics might be down now is because our customers aren't engaged. This is not their training season. So here's when customer education is actually building. That's when we're building our content. So it's really great that when the rest of our teams are busy, customer education is kind of in a little hole. We're building all our content so that we can release it during December when our customers are there in their office. Students aren't really coming into their office and they're like, great, I'm I'm a little bit more free. I can digest some content. So even that, it might seem so small, but that helps the light turn on for our leadership to understand when they can expect the metric-driven stories, when they can expect those nice numbers from customer education, but we had to tell it within the context of the seasons for our company. Yeah. And and I guess what I'm curious about then is, you know, we were talking a moment ago about what's essentially lagging indicators, value metrics, right? Whether customer education has an effect downstream on renewal or churn. Are those seasonal as well, or is what you're talking about here more looking at the leading indicator metrics, the ones that are more focused around uh, learner activity within your platform, uh, what you talked about as well as like the timeliness of making sure that they're logged on at the right part during implementation? Like, which, which are, are they both seasonal? They're, they're both seasonal. We have seen, but, but I will say that this is to a lesser extent. We have seen when it is the high training season, so let's talk about, let's say, December, it has still been good for a a CSM to check on which customers are not engaging during that season. Because let's be clear, if they weren't doing it when they're busy and they aren't doing it during the time when they should be, then the prediction is that, well, then when is it going to happen? So our CSM team has still 
also utilize that to drive action for any of your folks who are listening who are who are around like success pipeline CTAs this is one of those CTAs for mm. our team where who are the folks who are not engaging around this again this very sweet window I think with Mark I think my team locked it down as like just before Thanksgiving and just before um, just before the, the the Western American Christmas holiday that if their partners, especially folks who are at risk, however folks um, categorize their health, red, yellow, green, these are the folks where you might now have a CTA for your CSMs to actually drive, hey, it's your December, come check out this content, right? Like instead of just waiting for them to come where the RMs are, the CSMs are actually forcing action um, around those to drive folks there because we have seen a risk of, again, if they're not using that window, they're not using their busy window, then when is it going to happen? Yeah. So what I really like here is that you're you're not just looking at your education activity metrics uh, descriptively. You're not just saying, oh, traffic went up, traffic went down. You're actually working across your CSMs to say, hey, let's actually make sure that we're using the data that we have about how our customers are using our education to drive very specific calls to action because we know that running those playbooks will correlate to downstream success. And by the way, we can look at that downstream success to say that education has a forward-looking impact on the metrics ultimately that we care about as a business. So getting customers trained at the right time when they're ready for it is going to be predictive of their overall health and lifetime value as a customer. 100%. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. And I, to me, that is the perfect relationship between uh, education and success. I agree. (laughs) Good, good. Um, So yeah, I think think this is instructive to a lot of people who are listening to this. Maybe we have a lot of people who listen who are customer success leaders who haven't necessarily uh, made a strong investment in, in customer education yet. So it sounds like you've taken, you know, the first step by uh, hiring a, a full-time customer education head, uh, and then second of all, uh, having some some other folks now starting to get involved with uh, customer education. Is there a next step in that investment story? And and if so, uh, what arguments do you think you would have to make to your leadership around the ROI to be able to continue to to grow and progress? I don't know if you're going to like my answer. I don't think the next step yet is um, investment and growth. I think right now I'm in a place of, I got the headcount. I have the time from the team. This is great right now. We're spending a lot of time in showing our metrics. We started an internal customer education newsletter, which has gone over really, really well. Um, I always tell folks, don't don't let your wins happen in secret, right? Like if you are not a fan of um, the brag folder, you need to be now. And so that's really what that internal newsletter is just, you have to remember, it's not just about showing ROI, Adam, and you and I know this, for my company, it's still new. We're still educating folks on what customer education is. And so mm-hmm. that is a lot of where it, the, the language, even just how we speak in customer education is is so new. And so how can we, my um, favorite moment is when I hear a member of the C-suite use the same language I have been using. In a, that's when you're like, yes, this is it. You know, yeah. and so those might seem small, it's but inception. those are the things. Yes. And so it means that when I'm not in the room, it's being spoken about. And this is when you know that, well, now when I need the next headcount, that may come, right? And so we're spending a lot of time there. I think what the next step is for us is, I think the number one thing I was thinking to myself, okay, 
Adam is going to want to know what is the thing I want the all his listeners to um, to take away. And this is very net new for me coming af- um, off after our Connect conference chatting with you is the number one thing I've found the most impactful with leadership at Handshake is to volunteer customer education as the solution for a problem. I think for many C-suite and leadership, they're used to teams, directors, myself, asking for things, right? We need headcount, we need money for this, I need a software, I need whatever. And so I saw this light bulb go off when, from from my uh, customer success side, we had a couple of escalations, it was an interesting end of the year. And here I was in a room, other leaders, and we are trying to solve for this uh, issue that we have. And I had said, well, what if customer education does X? And the, the elevation, like the eyebrows on furrowed and the, the leadership, because we, we were looking so narrowly at how it could be solved and to introduce customer education as a potential solution, as opposed to money, headcount, um, lack of time from someone else to accomplish X. It was such a relief. And now I'm just trying to infiltrate any, I, I go to the marketing team meeting. I was like, oh, customer education will be ha- happy to house that. Or, oh, we can create that. Oh, happy to put that on the academy. And that, I think, is when you start to see, it's it, we no longer look like a money drain or this new thing that Tiffany wished for and is trying to make happen. Stop trying to make fetch happen, Gretchen. You know, it's like truly a part of- Oh my of- gosh. This is like the second episode in a row where we've made a stop trying to make fetch happen <laughs> reference. It really should come back. Now I'm going to go watch that. So I think making customer education a part of the solution for the problems that your company, team, or industry is facing, I think that is this this way that maybe someone hadn't told me before, that instead of trying to show ROI, you just look as as if you were a value add. You become an asset to to the team. And it doesn't yeah. mean that your solution has to be chosen. It shows that you are willing to be a part of the solutioning. And that to me has been a game changer. That, so by the way, I do not, not like that answer. I like that answer. In fact, I'm going to say, I love that answer. And it, I'm going to go as far as to say that I want, I want everyone listening to this podcast, who's really thinking about the ROI of their customer education program to rewind for how many minutes uh, that Tiffany just gave that answer and listen to it again, because uh, I couldn't agree more. We spend a lot of time making, I think, fundamentally two mistakes. One is not focusing on the value that we deliver to the business. Uh, so maybe we just spend a lot of time measuring our own vanity metrics within the education world or activity metrics, and we're not thinking about uh, what the downstream effect of those things are. And that was kind of the first part of our conversation. But the second thing that I think we often do within customer education is we kind of look for these abstract ROI metrics to try to prove our existence or, or uh, to, to justify our existence. Uh, I, like proven, we, we do exist. Just Justification, <laughs> that's the hard part. Um, but we're, we're often doing that in the wrong way because what we're trying to uh, use to show ROI in the abstract is not actually connecting ourselves to solving real business problems. And I love that you brought that up because if we as customer education can tangibly solve real business problems through the, the programs that we're doing and continue to do that, that's actually the reason why you would want to expand. I, I completely agree with you that you do not want to be just 
arbitrarily going to your leadership and asking for a bunch of stuff, especially if that bunch of stuff isn't going to solve real problems. Customer education is not about building a fiefdom. We are never going to be the largest team in the company. We should be small, <laughs> but mighty. We should be versatile uh, and we should be connected to, to, to solving real problems for the business. So I love, I love that you brought that up. And naturally what's going to happen is if customer education gets really good at solving them, uh, solving these problems, people are going to start coming to us more and saying, Hey, you know what? Can customer education address this? And then we might say, Hey, you know what? Would love to solve that. Uh, I actually need now these resources to be able to solve that just because exactly. we're, we're at capacity. Like we'd love to be able to do that. We, we, we can't right now, but uh, we can either make trade-offs or we can make an investment in customer education to solve them. And, and that's where the motor really starts humming. So love it. Really love it. And the day that happens, I will message you. I'd be like, I had to say no today, Adam. It's coming. It's coming together. It's coming together. <laughs> love it. So you you pointed towards a lot of areas where customer education is solving real business problems. And I want to tie that back as well to the idea of customer education supporting a scalable customer success motion. What I'm what I'm taking from that, or or maybe reading into what you're saying, is that customer education also has kind of a cost saving story for your business. Am I am I getting that right? A hundred percent. I think oh, now I'm coming up on my four years at Handshake. Four years ago, um, we would have four CSMs generating. And I, again, I know the story isn't unique to Handshake, but four CSMs generating an ad hoc training requested by a school to tailor it for their use case. And, and of course, it's all you could do at the time. Adam, if you and I were working physically in the office, you didn't have time to check in with me to see if I already had this asset. You were just trying to get through your list of calls for that day and serve your book of business as best as you could. Now, I don't think any member of my team has ever recreated a single thing. And that frees up time for what you and I know success is meant. We want success to be about strategic, thoughtful, nuanced workflows to meet that specific customer. Whereas now they have a consistent, uh, highly vetted, hopefully high quality, I would like to think, um, product that is done by my team. And I love now that many of our, our courses are accessible or capture all those things. And they can send that, they can build off of it, they can use it as a pre-watch before the, the, the customer comes to the call. And so I tell my team now, they laugh, they are a better CSM today than I ever was. Good God, I wasn't as prepped. I wasn't as um, savvy. I couldn't give the detail and nuance that my team can give now because of the creation of a customer education team. This episode is brought to you by TechSmith. That's right, TechSmith. You know them from Snagit and Camtasia. Snagit lets you create images, GIFs, and videos to show others exactly what you see. And Camtasia is the famous screen recording and video editing software made easy. Yeah, I love it, Adam. You know, I have to say my story here is that Camtasia kind of saved my soul. When I was working, trying to build my first program, I discovered Camtasia and other TechSmith products, and I needed something that was relatively inexpensive, easy to use, and powerful. Overnight, I went from doing tedious editing, recording, and just whatever I had available to me alone with little coaching, being able to make really super high quality videos in a short amount of time. 
That sounds amazing. And so if you want to create and share images and videos for better training, tutorials, lessons, and everyday communication, you can do that at techsmith.com. That's techsmith.com. Yeah, and and that to me is the, it's like the or customer education story and how we help scale customer success and, and the rest of the business. It's, it's actually like the the reason why at this point, I think it's a cliche, but but I always say customer education is the scale engine of customer success. But that tagline uh, is, I, is absolutely true. Yeah. And, and I think that it's something, though, because I, I like that you're bringing it up in this context, because even though that's probably the most typical uh, customer education story at this point, in, in at least in the relation between customer education and, and customer success, it's it's something where when you kind of boil it down just to that phrase. Maybe it sounds like a bit of a slogan. So I like the idea of recontextualizing it in the needs of the business. Like when you frame it as a cost saving story, as an efficiency story while still maintaining quality. Well, again, that's something that is going to get your executive's attention. So I really like that framing. I think where it also helps if, if someone, if any of your listeners have customers that have Again, I think for us, we call them power users, super users. These very these these mm-hmm. accounts that have strategic, nuanced ways of of working and utilizing the tool. It frees up the ability for a CSM to give that kind of care, um, and and that's what we need. Like that's always end goal, right? You want every customer to feel like a special, unique flower that is getting the deep attention that they need, but. Before customer education, we just couldn't do that. Now, with a customer who has a team of 12, we can say, hey, give your team one week, watch this course so we know everyone's baseline knowledge so that when you hop on this call, we are giving, you know, again, a great CSM will know this school's workflows, their students, their major, all those things. So that that call is just 10 times different than uh, than the call I could have had with them 10 years ago. And for our leadership, that really matters because again, our strategic accounts are some of our oldest uh, champions, we hope, Um, but our oldest users are highest power. These are the ones that are going to recommend or not recommend Handshake to another customer. And so the experience of those customers really matters to our leadership. Yeah, that's actually, you, you mentioned this earlier, and I thought that this was fascinating. It sounds like while there might be some correlation between who's in your strategic customer segment versus say the size of the account or the dollar value of the account. That doesn't sound like the only criteria that you're using to put someone in, in the strategic segment. It sounds like putting someone in the strategic segment is also related to their complexity and their, their, their advocacy or their propensity to, uh, to be a champion for your product. That's really interesting. Yes, I, it is It is something we get asked a lot, as you can imagine, when we're hiring uh, CSMs, because it, it, it's, not a, it's not an exact math, um, but I do appreciate, I think, a part of me having come from a higher ed background myself um, and not coming from tech. I appreciate that it's a little nuanced and chewy and not really exact that we're looking at the leaders of those institutions. We're looking at the evolutions are the, are these institutions, um, schools that are the game changers for their field? Uh, yes, of course, we should be based in data. So there is U.S. world ranking because that's how the institutions of the United States are ranked. So it, it's very much a, a, a hodgepodge of size, usability, functionality, what they're doing in the industry. And 
because I think that's that's a brilliant business decision on the company's part of how we are uh, managing and targeting and being intentional for each of those segments. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I love, I just love the idea because when we think about what customer education and and here maybe I'm I'm not I'm, I'm not talking about the narrow definition of customer education, which is customer training, but the broader definition of customer education, which includes things like documentation, but especially say community or customer engagement. Mm-hmm. Well, now we are actually talking about customer advocacy, and when we think about the types of outcomes that we're driving in customer success, as well as to some extent customer marketing. That's a huge piece of the story of what increases customer lifetime value. It's not just about how much they know about the product. It's about how deeply they're using it, uh, how many how many problems they're able to solve with your product, and ultimately how much partnership they feel with your brand. And customer education plus really great customer success management together, I think, make that incredibly powerful. So I want to ask you, uh, you know, maybe maybe this is a good pivot point into the last thing we want to talk about because we've been talking mostly about building internal cases. I'd love to talk externally for a moment about the experience that you're having with with your customers. I'm curious about how you are continuing to evolve your programs to meet your your customers' needs. I love something that you just said about um, this is how you ensure that you're customers feel that you're doing this in partnership with them because uh, my team, if they listen to this podcast, will giggle because for the for the purpose of the podcast, I've been saying customers, but they know that they can't call our folks customers. We call them partners. They're, they're partners, uh, yeah. Right. And it truly is. And and and, and I'm, I'm complete, completely comfortable with saying this on this. When I mentioned earlier in our, in our um, time here that we just released or we call it our VOC, our voice of the customer survey that we release twice a year. And we read through every single thread of the free text comments. And when folks write, handshake no longer feels like a partner, that those are the ones that we really marinate on because mm. it is something that is incredibly powerful to us. Again, I, I'm not, I don't it's have like a red background. Alert. It is red alert. Yeah. But when I became aware of how we build our product, we have this product hexagon, happy to share with you. But every portion of that hexagon is done in partnership with our partners, where we have betas, we have an advisory board, we have um, early release feedback. We ha- And I love that that I'm very, very much wanted to give credit to my um, C-suite manager that our team rolls up into because it was very important to her that if she was going to be on board, our education partners would not be customers. They would be partners. We would build this with them. And so I say that to say there is no other way to do our... I, I couldn't get away with not doing some of the things that I'm about to share with you. And I think, again, going back to where I'd started, that becomes very easy because of the two hats that I that, that I that I serve at Handshake. Um, but we continue to do this through... Feedback, feedback, feedback. It, I've said mm. it on many, many podcasts when I talk about customer education, and I've had a lot of uh, you and I, our own. How many uh, podcasts do you go on? You're a celebrity. <laughs> Yours is the first of the year, Adam. You're my first of 2022. <laughs> um, but I share, and a lot of folks will ask, "How do you get this feedback? How do you get this feedback?" And 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 I often have to say, I wish I could take credit, but these these this audience that I'm telling you about, Adam, they they love to talk, and we love to listen. But they are an audience that 
they're, they, they will write, they will hop on a call. I could, after our call right now, I could easily find 20 customers that want to hop on a call with me right now to give feedback on anything that I could ask them about a feature. I could ask them about a training. I could, it's just, the, I want to take credit for it, but it is truly our customer base. I think our higher ed partners know that we are trying to build something. We've been honest with them when we haven't done it well. We've been honest that we are taking this feedback. And so they're always willing to speak to us. Where I will take credit is that we do it in a variety of ways. Yes, I just mentioned this voice of the customer that is a very formal, beautiful, savvy, um, you know, metric-driven survey that we do at two, two, two different times of the year. I think it's Q4 and Q2. But at the end of um, every one of our courses in our academy, we have surveys. At the end of our webinars, we have surveys. Um, our, our RMs, are sent, our CSMs are sending out surveys after their programmatic initiatives. We have our product feedback that happens that happens basically as easily as someone sending in a ticket. All that to say that we, um, even when I was doing published work in higher ed, I said, I love messy data. So I don't care how it comes in. I just care that it comes in. Nothing is worse mm -hmm. than a silent customer. You and I know this, right? Silent customers scare the bejesus out of me. Yeah, I much that's prefer to what's know. worse than getting a, like a, a bad NPS is no NPS. Is no NPS, agreed. And what I love is that we have high volume high volume coming in from every which way. And that absolutely helps us. When, and then, of course, again, my team is often sending back out, hey, you said that you found this in our courses. Here's what we've changed. We try to then give back the feedback loop. I think that's what's tough to do when you have a smaller team is that yeah. it comes in and they're like, did it go into a void? But we really try to be good about sending back, hey, thank you for this. And because of this, look what we iterated on. This is also, you know, whether, again, this is like a capital C or lowercase c community thing, right? Like whether you're creating a community on community forums or user groups, having having some way to cultivate that community of customers or partners, take on one hand the voice of the customer and make sure that is represented within the decisions that you make. And on the other hand, have a place to be able to communicate with them and and among them. Uh, right, because communities are just as much about customers uh, and partners being able to talk to one another. Uh, I think ends up forming that that feedback loop really, really nicely. And so, in a way, even though you're not talking right now about like a community forum, you are talking about a voice of customer and a community activity, which uh, which I, I think is really cool. Can I share with you my mecca on my external ROI piece, like what I'm going towards? Yes. Please. My dream, and I hope to have it, if I say it, that I have to do it in 2023, is that we actually want to co-create some of our courses in our Handshake Academy with our partners. So finding out, again, lovely, because I also oversee our success side, which of our champions just really are whizzes at X part of the product, really good at uh, metrics or analytics tool or whatever these aspects are. And then I actually want to record them. And I think there's this piece around it not coming from my brain, not coming from a customer education brain, but really coming from career services person to career services person. And I think there's this element that we have yet to tap into because I think at the end of the day, I am still showcasing the product from my product brain, like here's what Handshake needs you to learn. And I am so excited mm -hmm. in having a career services partner show it to a career services partner. And 
Yeah, it's, it's more trustworthy is- when it comes from someone who is is a not the vendor, right? It, like an, another user versus the vendor Absolutely. makes a lot of sense, but also someone who does what you do that imparts credibility. They're they they have the same struggles and challenges and opportunities that you have day sure. in day out. Yeah. So if if you manage to make this happen, then uh, you'll you'll come back on the show and we'll we'll talk about user generated <laughs> content. About Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so. Speaking of the next episode, uh, you know, I, I look forward to that. And I, I hope that this uh, not just has been, but will be your best podcast appearance of, of 2023. Uh, but let's let's firm it up. Let's make sure that it is. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you would want to share with C-Labs listeners? No, we got through everything. But I always tell folks, even when I taught, if you forgot or fast forwarded or didn't catch some part of this, I think the key takeaway is to ensure that customer education is a part of the solution for your team and company. Love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. And so I think with that, I would say thank you, Tiffany. This has been an amazing discussion, truly inspirational. And I, if you if you want to connect with uh, Tiffany listeners, uh, Tiffany, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Please find me on LinkedIn, Tiffany Taylor backslash learner. Not hard to find. I'm connected to Adam. So hopefully you all are connected to him. And uh, if you're lucky, you can enjoy a tailored tip every Tuesday where I share tips on management, customer success, how to um, stay morale and driven at work every Tuesday. That's that's. Taylor last name and tailored tip (laughs) with a Y, both both with a Y, with a Y. And so listeners, if you are interested in learning more, not just about tailored tips, but also about customer education, we have a podcast website at customer.education. I too am on LinkedIn, as is Dave. Uh, You can find all sorts of great content on our site. We have a LinkedIn page. You can uh, subscribe now to our our LinkedIn page where we post updates and uh, relevant content. Uh, Thank you, Alan Coda, for the theme music. I'm doing this without a script. I'm doing this completely from memory. Uh, If you are a another podcast who is thinking about booking Tiffany, uh, you are welcome to do so and use that contact information, but please don't have a better conversation with her than the one we just had. And to our listeners, (laughs) thank you for joining us. Please uh, go out, educate, and find your people. Thanks for listening.